Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about learning to say no and set boundaries to live our best lives. I'm your host, Heather Drago. You may think because of this podcast that I'm a boundary setting expert, but I'm not. I'm an expert at struggling to set boundaries. But you know what? I'm working on it and it is getting easier. Follow along with me as I learn from fellow strugglers and experts so that you too can start saying no without feeling fear, guilt, or FOMO. experienced and passionate leader, speaker, coach, author, transformational trainer, mom, wife, and friend. Oof, that's a lot of stuff. (laughs) She enjoys helping women discover how to have it all without doing it all. She says that in order to find the best versions of ourselves, we need to understand that it's never about the money, the food, the kids, or the spouse. It's about us and the inner work we need to do to be able to live the life of our dreams which we totally deserve to live. Joe has over 17 years of experience working with Fortune 100 companies like Goodyear and PepsiCo, has spoken at multiple universities within the U.S. and internationally, and has coached and trained over 15,000 people on four continents and in more than 25 countries. She also hosts Mom Fit with Joe Peters on Zingo TV and YouTube. Welcome, Joe. It's so nice to have you on. Thank you so much, Heather. It is a pleasure to be in your world and chatting with you today. Oh, thanks. Well, I know we have a lot in common and that one of those things, which I'm fascinated to talk with you about, is we both instituted a year of no for ourselves. So I'm going to back up for a second and just remind some of our newer listeners who haven't heard this before, those who are regular listeners, sorry, I'm going to repeat myself. Um, (laughs) So uh, at the beginning of 2019, I was completely burned out. 2018 was a really big year of growth for my company, but we, uh, and we'd brought in more money than ever, but I paid myself less than ever. I paid everyone else in my company more than I paid myself. I had clients that I couldn't handle. I had some contractors that were challenging. And so I just realized a lot of the problems I was having was because I hadn't nipped things in the bud in the beginning by saying no. So I thought, okay, 
I have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided to start saying no to one thing every single day. Um, And it could be a very small thing. It could be not answering an email. It could just be replying no. It could be not answering a phone call or returning a text. It could be bigger things. Um, And there were some big things. And I messed up a lot. It took me a long time to get into the habit. But it was something that... I had to force myself to do every day just so I could get comfortable with it. And the story goes on and on. I'm going to end it there. But I would love to hear your year of no story. My year of no was in 2011. And I was already working uh, for a Fortune 100 company for a good year. And I remember the day that I decided to do the year of no. I was... A uh, good girl. I had to say hashtag good girl syndrome. Mm, I yeah. am a recovery from good girl syndrome. And I tend to say yes to everybody because I was a people pleaser. So I remember a Saturday where I say yes to three different events within 30 minutes apart in opposite sides of the town. So I remember driving like crazy, a stress. I went to all of them late. They all were upset with me because I was late, disrespectful. And that day driving home crying, I'm like, I have a problem. (laughs) This is not working. Right. I need to learn how to say no. And I start thinking, why is so scary for me to say no? Right. Why I need to stretch so thin and say yes to everybody. And I learned that that is a muscle that I never used before growing up. Mm -hmm. And I just say, wait, I'm going to do a year of no. And then because of the recovering people pleaser, I knew that it has to be with the most banal, simple things. So my mom will come and say, hey, do you want to go to to the hair salon or to the nails? And I will be like, no. And she will be like, why not? And I'm like, no, anything wrong? Are you busy? No. But it was a matter of me going into exercising that mm-hmm. muscle over and over. How hard was that when it's something where you just didn't feel like it? Because normally the question that's asked is, are you busy doing something else? Are you tired? Are you sick? Is there something wrong? And you're like, no, I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. And then you get that pushback. Well, why not? Why don't you want to spend time with me? Like, how hard was that for you to just say no when it was something you just didn't feel like? I, I think that as more you practice, as more the muscle is strong, And then it was very important to have clear the why. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was almost like that rock bottom of I cannot keep overgiving and giving all my yeses to everybody else and running like, I'm going to say this wrong in English, but a chicken that had its head cut off. You said it right. That's right. (laughs) Um, So having that why and then being very compassionate, one of the things that I love And I keep reminding since 2011 is my best, my favorite definition of boundaries is boundaries are the place where I can love you and still love myself. And that exercise is, yeah, I'm not busy. I just prefer to stay home reading this book. I will go to the salon next week. Um, And it was a matter of choosing this baby steps that I knew that was not my mom asking me to help her because her car broke up mm-hmm. because those require a different level of confidence to say, okay, do I put myself first down or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What were some other things that were some of the initial no's that stand out in your mind? 
Um, couple of the initial no's were, uh, and this one is one that I still practice until now. When you order something in a restaurant or I order something in a restaurant and I didn't like it. And I found myself with the waiter coming in and saying like, is everything good? What is the answer? Yeah. That was one of the easiest ones. They're like, oh, I didn't like it. And then they felt very uncomfortable. And that was a part of not owning their feelings and say, it's okay. I'm not asking you to change it or not charge me. I'm just answering you honestly that, no, I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. I, this is not what I expect. And then from there, the next step was, when it was something that really was a no, then say, I really want to change this. This is not, I don't have to eat this food Mm -hmm. just because I need to be the good girl and say, yes, everything is okay. Thank you. Yeah. I I once, when I was younger, went to a, like a group therapy thing. And one of the things that was pointed out to me way, even way back then was I'm not good at standing up and asking for what I want. And so the therapist was like, when you all go out to lunch, I want you to think about standing up for yourself. So I ordered like a turkey club sandwich or something. And I got a sandwich with lox on it. Do you know what lox is? It's smoked salmon. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what it was. I'd never had it before. And I almost just ate it without saying anything. And the waitress came back and all, everyone was going, this is it. This is the thing you're supposed to. And so I, it was really terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm sorry, but this isn't what I ordered. And I was like apologizing to her. And she was mortified and she fixed it and everything. But that was a big deal for me way back then, because I just wasn't used to standing up for myself. So and that's, you kind of have to do that. You're, you're championing yourself when you're saying no and setting boundaries. And the beautiful thing on that, that I discover is as more you gain that confidence, as more you start actually seeing that all those monsters in the closet are just monsters. And normally when you speak up and say, hey, this is the boundary, the majority of the people are willing to respect it and like your example are actually wanting to make it right for you mm -hmm. and then as more you start connecting those dots you're like oh okay so the monster in the closet was that a monster in the closet that when i open the door and turn the light on it's not as scary it's just a little sock <laughs> i love that analogy that's great um so you talk about women who are trying to live their best lives and you say it's it's not about the husband or the weight or the all the externals, right? It's about working on our inner inner work, our inner child stuff. Um, tell me more about that. Well, one of the things on that hashtag good girl syndrome is by my hypothesis is we tend to be very good at giving our yeses. And then we start connecting what we are and how we feel and what we get based on so my health. It is the food. I need to have the diet. Um, the relationships is the husband, is the kids, the finance, is the money. And as more I work with females, as more I understand that is part of us stepping into our power, claiming our power, and creating those boundaries and saying, I deserve and I'm worth it worthy, not because of what I do for you, not because of how I perform, not because of what I give, but because of who I am. And then from that place, start understanding and healing 
where do we learn where are the where do we learn that we need to say yes to be loved where do we learn that we need to say yes to avoid that uh, authority figure to be happy where do we learn that what i want and what i need is less important than what you want yeah and- Yeah, it sounds like you're saying people kind of, or women generally, and I, I would agree with this, sort of default into caretaker mode. We just think that's our default setting. And then we derive our value based on how people accept or receive that, as opposed to I am valuable to start with, and I have needs and wants and dreams, and I need to address those first, and then... Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the beautiful connections and and funny things about that is research are showing over and over and over again that as more we do that as more positive impact we create in the world because in our dna we as females we are doing it in the wrong order we are so concentrated on giving to others first that we don't have anything in the tank left Right. And that is not sustainable. That is why we're going to burn out. That is why we hear so much like, oh, you cannot have it all or you cannot have it all at once. Or you can have it all and then end completely burn out, completely in a hospital. And then when you change the order and then you start doing it first for you and then you start showing up in the world from a place of saying enough no's to others that you have yeses for yourself and your mm-hmm. tank is full, then you start having it all in your health because you have the energy in your relationships because you are showing up like your true self in your finances and your money. And then from there, there is a ripple effect, almost like a butterfly effect in your communities, in the people that you love, in the people that you know. Yeah. You're sort of reiterating a whole lot of things we say all the time here, and I'm 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 kind of hearing some of the same um, concepts from our this week's guest that's just released today. Um, our our guest Avery, who um, talks about the same kinds of things about burnout and how you have to feed yourself first. I I so I really appreciate everything you just said. Um, I read I think on one of your social posts or something. You said, we don't need to fill our cup so that we can help others. We need to fill our cup for ourselves, like we just, because we deserve it. Tell me more about that. I hate that phrase of, oh, you need to fill your cup so you can, so you can give. So the only reason why I deserve to have a full cup is because I need to give that cup away. Like that doesn't make any sense. And then the analogy is if you have a cup and you and the cup is having holes and you are feeling it to give up, when your cup is going to be full? Right. It's never going to fill. It's never because you are right, right. feeling it to give out, yeah. feeling it to give out. So instead of that, what I encourage females and, and people to do and my clients to do is think about you need to fill your cup enough that is so full that you can give the overflow. Ah, yes. So your cup is always full. And then when your cup is always full, if you keep pouring, then you have excess that you can overflow and give. So right. you are giving not. So giving becomes giving what is in excess in your life, not giving 
what you have that depleting that yourself go into lack yeah yes. yeah 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 that totally makes sense so when when women come to you i know you do a lot of coaching and teaching and training and stuff where are they and what are the most common things they say to you that they where they're stuck normally there are two groups that i find very clear divided they are the ones that had a desire and a dream to have more but believe the what i call rules garbage rules from society that is not possible <laughs> so they are like yeah this is just a little girl dream and i need to be happy with what i have mm -hmm. because i cannot have it all and the other group is uh, ones that already define that rule and say that is bs and i want to have it all but then they believe a little bit of that patriarchal idea of controlling of, but I have to do it all. So then they are the ones that are almost giving up on their dream or the ones that are not giving up on their dream, but believe that they have to do it all. So they are getting into depletion, into burnout. Mm -hmm. But the common part there is they all had that little wisdom inside of them that God does a it has to be another way. There is more. I normally say to, to everybody, I truly believe how you want to call it, God, universe, the angels, higher self. If you desire something in your heart, that means that a future version of you already is enjoying that. Because I truly believe that the benevolence of the universe, God, however you want to call it, they will not put that desire in you that it was not meant for you to have. I'm assuming, because of this conversation we're having, that one of the places you tell people to start is by setting boundaries, right? Absolutely. One of the things that has been fascinating with the boundaries is going back into what you were talking before about the inner child and understanding what made me feel so afraid. Right. And one of those beautiful exercises is writing it down. I always tell my clients that our mind can play games with us. So I always say it's important that you write it down so it's out and then you had it for the record in the future. And that is start being not judgmental because when we treat ourselves with judgment, then gain shame and guilt immediately bring in and then we get into fight or fight but curiosity about boundaries okay where i struggle having boundaries one other thing that i always say is how we do everything is how we do anything so you don't have to fix all the boundaries and please don't try to fix first the boundaries that are the most triggering for you mm-hmm Oh, yeah, I totally believe. Start small. Start small, because if yeah, you are going to face the Goliath yeah. of the boundaries, the chances are that you're not going to have a good experience mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. there is going to be a reason in your subconscious to say, see, it's not working for us. So start with those small boundaries and saying, oh, what is my fear? What is the worst thing that could happen? Why this is so triggering for me? Because those boundaries are the part where the best first step to start believing that we are as worthy as others to receive what we are giving. Yes. 
Yes. And I think in addition to writing it down, I think a couple things happen there is you see it in black and white and you might surprise yourself like that you like if someone else were to say this to you, you'd be like, what are you talking about? Or you would never say those things to other people. Right. Um, I also we have a worksheet on our website called the no tracker sheet, and it's like a week's worth of notes. It also has some like little phrases you can borrow and stuff like that. But I felt I kept a track in my day planner. And every day when I found my no, I called it finding the no, I would write down what happened and how I felt. And at first it was like nauseous, sweaty, very nervous, afraid, right? And and then as time went on, I felt relieved, empowered. Like it really, I think is important to like journal your process because you will see an evolution as time goes on. And on that brilliant note, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. That's a Hard Note is brought to you by Clever Girl Marketing, my full-service agency specializing in smart, strategic marketing solutions for businesses and nonprofits. Okay, so you're probably wondering, Heather, what's with the podcast about boundaries? Why not marketing? Well, maybe in the future, but for now, it actually does relate. So bear with me here. Smart marketing, strategic marketing, requires knowing what to say no to and why. Businesses and nonprofits get inundated with marketing options and offers every day. We help you cut through all that noise, focus on your specific needs, and develop actionable strategies that are doable and actually make sense. Whether it's websites, SEO, email, social, or traditional channels, we're experienced in all of it. So if you need help figuring out your marketing, visit our website, clevergrowmarketing.com, and get in touch. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we're back with Joe Peters. So um, on that one, one of the things that, that is important, I was talking about that this morning, is our mind forget our progress. Actually, there is a, I don't know if you know this, but there is a research that is fascinating about climbers on Mount Everest. And many, many decades ago, the rate of people that met the summit was really low. Mm -hmm. And climbing the Mount Everest is not cheap. Like, it is... Oh, no, a, I just heard a thing about it. It was. It's like twenty, thirty thousand dollars so yeah. it's not good business when you have to pay $30,000 and the rate of people that go up there is not successful. It's very low. What they discover, Heather, is that people were not being aware of how far they came. So the solution was brilliant. Now the tour guides, mandatory, have a stop around every two hours and make everybody turn around and look behind to see the gap and to see the contrast of how far they have become. And just that change 
skyrocket the success of people climbing Everest. The same happened with our lives. When we don't ride like you are saying and track that progress, it's very easy for our mind to say, oh, I still have so much more to go. This is so hard. Right. But when we have the paper, then you're like, oh, my gosh, I just feel empowered with this. No. And six weeks ago or six months yeah. ago, I was stopping myself from vomiting. Yeah. So yeah. it is super powerful. That's really interesting. Um, not related to boundaries, but just I'm. A, we also talk about entrepreneurship here. So um, the progress thing, I think, in, in documenting is so important. A friend of mine who's also a business owner was a, a few years ago commiserating about how I wished my business would be further along by now. And I said, go into Microsoft Word and start dropping logos of all the clients you've had over the past however many years since you started. You'll be amazed at how many clients there are and and like how much you've done. And then you'll start to remember all the things. And she did it and she was like, you're right. Oh, my God. Like, I think we do discount or forget all the things we've accomplished over time. So I think that's really fascinating. And I think that that is one of the reasons why it's so important to keep the track with our journal, with a practice every day to write down, to mm -hmm. put it down. And also why it's so important to have a coach or a mentor to help us to get perspective. I was smiling when you were telling the story because just this year in May, I was in one of those panic moments in my business and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so bad. And then I had my coach that was like, okay, let's go backtrack. Let's go to see where you are. And I was like, and then he was like, tell me where you are right now. And I was like $30,000 better than what I was in May of last year. It only took me 10 seconds with the right question to backtrack and say, huh? Yeah. Maybe there is a lot more work that I need to deal mm -hmm. in of why the fear is coming, but the fear is actually not real. <laughs> yeah, and why are we diminishing our own accomplishments and our own success? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So how else do you have people begin to get unstuck? What are some other thoughts or processes or techniques one, you share? One very powerful, and I love it, is... I think I work mainly with females and a lot of what we have out there for self-development, for self-growth is created by males. So you have 12 categories to work in your life, six categories to work in your life. And then we are like, I already have a really busy day where I'm going to have time to work with 12 things, with six things, doing it all. So one is I make three main bubbles that are your health, your relationships, your finances. And then one exercise on a start getting unstuck is realizing your pattern with those three bubbles. Because mm -hmm. those three bubbles can be all at the highest level, having it all. And then what tends to be is that based on how we grow up, we normally compromise one of them. And then we normally have one or two high and then we compromise. So, oh, my relationships and my money are good. My health is bad. And then I start working on my health and my health starts going up and then my money goes down. So that awareness 
of, I call it connecting the dots and start writing down whenever I had a, one of those areas really high, how the other areas were, and I start saying, huh, there is a pattern. Mm -hmm. Help us to say, if there is a pattern of them moving, then that same pattern of my entire life is a proof that having them all high is possible. Um, a month or two ago, one of my clients came with a huge aha because she was working with me and she was like, I still have this little voice that tell me that I cannot have it all and that is just unicorns and rainbows and it's not possible. She was like, but I am in a place right now where all three bubbles are in a very low level. And if they all can be low, then there is nothing that stops them from all to be high. So I think that a lot of the process to get unstuck is allowing yourself to face the mirror and then really see the big picture into not what you are telling yourself, but what the reality is and have the opportunity to articulate that and face that and face, okay, what is the fear of this? What is the worst thing that could happen? You will not believe how many women, that was actually one of my biggest fears when I started my company of if I'm very successful and I have a lot of money in my business, I'm going to lose my husband. I'm going to get divorced. Mm -hmm. But then I, I also think that that toxic positivity, everywhere that you find things about this is, oh, you need to be positive. Everything needs to be okay. And the reality is, it's only when we have a safe container to talk about those fears that normally are not positive. Like, I'm afraid that when I make seven figures, my husband is going to leave me and I'm going to be divorced, then we're going to be like, huh, I wonder where in my life I make that connection and then I start healing it. Mm -hmm. If not, we just start pushing it down because I am positive and everything is going to work out. But then that is still there. That fear is still there, sometimes yeah. sabotaging us. Um we had a guest recently, uh, one of the friends of the podcast, Joanna Hardis. She's a therapist, and she says feelings are just feelings. And so I've learned that from her, and I've I've decided I don't know if this is right or not, but I've decided that feelings are morally neutral. There are no good feelings. There are no bad feelings. They're data, right? It's data, right? So the the I'm nauseous. I'm sweating. I'm afraid. I'm I mean, I, I have those feelings all the time, or I'm guilty, or I feel embarrassed or ashamed or whatever. Um, you have to ask yourself why. Yeah, where does that come from? And whose expectations am I trying to live up to? I love that. And I actually believe that they all are part of your survival signal. Like yes. you are feeling them for something. So instead right. of reject them and say like, oh, I'm curious why I'm feeling this. One of the things fascinating about the difference between feelings and emotions that I was reading is there are studies that are saying that there is not one feeling that will last in your body for more than 120 seconds if you don't clinch on it. If you just, like you just say, Heather, you just say like it's a feeling and all feelings are okay and you allow yourself to feel it, it will pass in two minutes. But the fear is, what if it never go away? 
why if I start crying and I don't stop? And that clinches is what makes the feeling emotion, and those are the ones that store and keep holding energy and holding energy to the point that then we start getting impact in other areas of our life because we stop being able to to live our life mm-hmm. fully. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about that. That's I never thought about it that way. Feelings and emotions are different. How I see it and how I approach it is feelings are what you feel, all of them. And I love that part of one of the things that I teach my my clients and my baby too is they are not bad feelings. Mm -hmm. They are not good feelings. We feel them and they all are coming as a message. It's almost like the red light or the green light. You don't say that the red light is bad Mm -hmm. when the red light is there. The message is you stop so you don't get a car accident. Because of society conditioning, we are being taught to be afraid of specific um, feelings like fear, like anger, like shame. Absolutely. And then because we are afraid of them or good feelings. So I need to be happy all the time. Or I need to be grateful all the time. Or I need to be any of this joyful all the time. Then we start grasping because we think that they are a measure of success of what we are. And the other ones, because are bad, we need to keep them away. And it's when we hold them that they become emotions. And then emotions stay long. One of the things that the research that I was reading is... Feelings don't stay long. Mm-hmm. So you are not in grief for 20 years. You are in grief, but the holding of the grief make it the motion, and that emotion is energy in motion. That is the one that stays. That is the one that lasts hours and days and weeks okay. and months and start from that desire of either pushing back the ones that are bad, quote mark, and or holding tight the ones that are good, quote Mark, instead of just like you say that I love. Feelings are feelings. And part of my a little bit more spiritual background and, and belief is I believe that we came to this world to feel feelings because the only way that you can feel is with your body. Actually, when your body is not working, you don't feel. Um, so that is a very relieving part of even for saying no, like it's okay to feel any of these feelings when I say no, because they are just teaching me something. They are just giving me a little message. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people's, I'm thinking out loud here, so this may not be very eloquent. A lot of people's difficulty comes from how they feel they'll be perceived by outwardly with certain emotions. So they feel shame or they're um, like, they don't feel bad about whatever feeling they're having, but they think other people will judge them. And so it's about trying to live up to other people's expectations. Absolutely. I think that we are tribal beings. Mm -hmm. Actually in 2019, I was in uh, Africa in Tanzania, with one of the oldest lineages of humanity, the Hatsa tribe. And the reality is it's normal because thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, 
if you did something wrong and your tribe, your group exclude you, you will die. Right. You will die within two, three days. And our DNA doesn't evolve as fast as our mind. So on a reptile brain, instinct preservation, when our friends don't like what we did or look at us bad or our family doesn't agree with what we are saying, our reptile brain doesn't understand that that will not end with us dying because it will not. But you the, feel threatened. The, the, the DNA, the reptile brain is like, if they take us out of the tribe, we will die. And that is that absolutely terrifying way of how the people that I believe are important for mm -hmm. me, the society, my group, perceive me and why a lot of time that people pleaser and that uh, good girl come and is anchored into that sense of my life and survival at a yeah. very instinct level. threat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to write things down, right? Because you could, you could do the exercise of, well, what's, I am afraid. What is the worst thing that could happen? And you list all the crazy things you think that were. Now, is that really going to happen? And then I said, no, what happened? Like, you can see the disconnect, right? Um, and sometimes people don't accept a no very well. Like, they're not gracious about it or they're not understanding. You have to be okay with that. Sometimes you can't own other people's feelings or take on their, their hang-ups, Right. That absolutely, that is what I was going to say. Like, literally, <laughs> like <the> applause. <laughs> yeah, literally, that is the next step. The first step is finding your own voice and your own power to be comfortable to say no, and then start dropping the baggage of you feeling responsible for other people's feelings. And the reality is that is not our fault. Yeah, it can't always be on the other person's terms. You have to be okay with saying, you know, I have needs as well. Right. Yeah. Tell us more about how people can find you and some of the exciting things you have going on. I am known as Joe Unicorn Coach <laughs> <laughs> because I believe that we all have magic inside of us and are unicorns. But I believe that with society BS, we forgot about it and we forgot about our horn <laughs> and we start behaving like regular horses. So... You can find me in all uh, social media or in my website as Joe Unicorn Coach. I handle my social media. So if you have uh, your audience had any questions, any takeaways, I would love to hear from them. I am working with females now on an exciting project that is breaking from, I was talking with a coach last week and she was challenging me into not doing it. But I am going into a program that is a lifetime access. So you invest once and then you are part of the community and repeat it live as many times as you want, because I believe that the journey of having it all is that a journey. And I want to build that community of people that know that are there all the way in the process. As we grow up, we will face different things, new things. And then having that backup system, that support system, is something that I want to create in the world. Wonderful. Okay, well, we'll put all your socials and links and everything on our website so people can find you. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a wonderful, kind of heart-fulfilling conversation. I'm so glad we got to 
talk. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you for inviting me, and it's been a lovely, lovely afternoon. Okay, so that's it for now. Thanks for listening. That's a Hard No is a production of Clever Girl Marketing, my little agency in Cleveland, in partnership with our friends at Evergreen Podcasts. Many thanks to our amazing team, including Maura Del Rosario, our production and marketing coordinator, Noah Fouts, our amazing producer, editor, and composer who wrote our theme music and performed it with his band, The Big Leagues, and our new video producer and editor, Kay Holmberg. You can find show notes and resources on our website, and you can find other fun stuff on our socials. We're Hard No Podcast, and we're now on YouTube, so check us out there. Make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite listening platforms, but especially Apple. Can you please do us a favor? Give us a rating and review so more people can find us and learn how to say no. So until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no and say it with me. That's a hard no! Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.